Okay, everybody, welcome back. Thank you for joining the show and to uh, being here for another episode of Dad and His PC. Uh, be sure to subscribe, leave a review wherever it is you found the show, and find our socials. Be sure to obviously follow, like, subscribe, comment, wherever. And uh, you can find the socials there on the description. Now, last week's episode, we discussed uh, Ubisoft and their big reveal for what they're working on in the coming months and years with a ton of new and not-so-new releases as well as updates galore. Uh, then we went on to talk about uh, Timidity and kind of like the fear of trying new things that has kind of hit me as I've gotten older, which is uh, a very weird sensation. And it's something that I'm not used to and I'm trying to work through and I'm trying to enjoy new games again. So there's that, Um, you know, especially as I still get joy and and find enjoyment from playing video games. This whole like being afraid to play stuff has been a a really weird concept. So uh, finally, we ended the show talking about Fallout 76. Uh, The new DLC came out, The Pit, the new expansion. And as with No Man's Sky, this game has come a long way, but unlike No Man's Sky, it kind of still feels unfinished to me, which I guess if they're creating more content, it should, but I just expected more of it by now, especially when you compared to other uh, much maligned game like No Man's Sky having almost too much to do, uh, Fallout 76 seems to not have enough. Uh, if that's something you feel like listening to, be sure to go back and listen. Uh, if there's something you might have found interesting there, right? So... Uh, this week, got a, a few awesome news items that came across my notifications that I couldn't help but give my two cents on, and for those that might care. And then first, uh, there's the significant uptick in players of Cyberpunk 2077 due to the Netflix show, Netflix anime just being released. This isn't the first time that this has happened, and I found that both hilarious and awesome. Most importantly, at least for me, was uh, Square Enix releasing the trailer and giving a live stream from TGS about the much-anticipated Octopath Traveler sequel, easily one of the greatest JRPGs in recent memory, and one of the best of all time, in my opinion. Uh, A million reveals have come from TGS, but nothing to me was more important. Finally, this week, I want to end the show kind of talking about something a little meta and let you behind the curtain of what these last two months have been like for me while making this show every week. Uh, the experiences I'm having, things I didn't see coming, kind of where I see the show going next in the future, and everything I've been been dealing with as I try to do this on the side in between uh, coaching and teaching and, and life in general, and uh, just bringing a, a piece of me out into the world for those to listen. So uh, that's how we're going to wrap up the show today. But first, before we get to any of that, we're going to talk about what is essentially being called the Netflix bump for video games. Okay, so one of the things that I've got to uh, do now that I'm doing this on the side is I've got to have my notifications on with uh, specific news media outlets that I know where and where and when to find new articles and things that I find interesting so I know what to take notes on, research a little, and, and have ready for the show. And something came across my notifications the other day, which absolutely made me laugh, and it was a PC Gamer article from Jonathan Bolding, and... Um, when I read it, I couldn't believe what I was reading and I started to laugh a little uncontrollably given, uh, my recent urge to dive into this game and purchase this game. Um, but, you know, and it's that the Netflix bump for cyberpunk 2077 seems to be real. 
Um, you know, and given that the majority of the bugs have been cleaned up in this game, I was actually thinking of just getting it the other day just because, but it turns out uh, I'm not the only one, but for different reasons. You see Edge Runners, uh, the Netflix anime, which is set within the Cyberpunk 2077 universe, has been a huge hit for Netflix. We're talking massive, uh, big time numbers. And by extension, it's been big for CD Projekt Red. Uh, according to Bolding's article, you see, it turns out, according to sites like uh, SteamDB, which tracks player counts, Cyberpunk's peak concurrent player count on Steam alone is over 85,000 over the weekend with the release of Edge Runners. At the same time uh, uh, that I'm basically doing this rundown, or when I was writing the rundown, 55,000 players were in game at that moment just on Steam with uh, what looks like a sustained level of growth on on that platform. Their, their metrics show that the growth is sustainable. Uh, Twitch viewer numbers have also increased, according to the website, uh, so things are looking up for the game. Uh, to put that player count in perspective, Cyberpunk is in the ballpark of games like Rust, which is which has been a popular game on Steam and, and on Twitch for, for a while now. Uh, GTA V, one of the most popular games in the world. Uh, PUBG... And um, it's ahead of titles like War Thunder, um, Final Fantasy XIV Online, Warframe, Civ VI, and even Siege and Dead by Daylight over the weekend. Now, uh, granted, some of those games are the pl main platform for them is, you know, their specific developers. Um, and, and these numbers are just Steam. But for a game that almost died, this is significant. Uh, as Bolding kindly points out in the article, the game was a disaster. That's a nice way of putting it about, about the release of, of Cyberpunk 2077 at launch. Uh, with some people playing simply to see what new screw-ups they could actually create in-game. Like, what could they make the bugs do? And that way they could put it on TikTok or they could put it on Instagram and, twi and Twitter. And, and make memes and jokes out of it. Literally playing to meme intentionally, not even for the jokes. You were basically trying to create memes because that's how buggy the game was. And as is pointed out in the article, this isn't the first Netflix bump. Okay, uh, League of Legends and Dota saw and Dota Two saw massive player upticks when their animes were released. And even The Witcher, believe it or not, The Witcher series saw a huge uptick beyond anything they'd ever had before when the Netflix series launched. We're talking numbers that were above even when the game originally launched. Um, this is all calculated, of course. Uh, the Edge Runner update and other DLC are being released to coincide with the anime. So this is a marketing ploy. It is, and it has been working. Uh, but journalists think this is uh, the last-ditch effort by the Cyberpunk team to save the game's reputation. Okay, that this is, while well, well calculated, it's it's not too really, I mean, granted, yeah, making money is the point, but their reputation as game creators was hit pretty hard, and this seems to be a, according to their sources, it seems to be a calculated risk in order to basically save the reputation of the game itself. The devs all want to make sure everything released in the coming months is perfect, or at least as close to perfect as anything can really be released nowadays when you really think about it. I mean, nothing comes out perfect, but if you can get it pretty close to 90% of a perfect game, then you've, you've done your job, right? Even when you take into account the 50% off for the game that, that it is on Steam, that's not exactly going to cost player count numbers to rise this much above player count numbers from a year ago when it uh, still carries the baggage of that launch. It wasn't 
um, the, you know, 50% off of 60 bucks isn't going to make people buy this game in droves and then have that kind of massive concurrent player count. Because again, if that's just Steam, you have to remember that you're adding in all the other places where you can play this uh, online. And so it, it's a large number of players have decided I'm going to play this now. Um, now for me personally, I'd always planned to buy this game when the price went down a little bit. And now I have a big reason to, it would seem. Uh, I always liked the concept and the story that was being presented even before I knew about these upticks that happened with Netflix, which again, I find hilarious. Um, you know, when I get done writing, when I got done writing this rundown, I need to buy the game 50% off, join a quality player account apparently and see what all the fuss is about. Uh, it would be pretty cool if like No Man's Sky before and Fallout 76 right now as well, uh, the game finally is able to stand on its own two legs as the quality title that was originally envisioned, right? But one of the things that I kept thinking about was what else could be done to increase player counts? Like what random games could be uh, or, or shows could be put on Netflix and cause a massive uptick in player count? And I was thinking about things like what if the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series came out and and instead we started seeing massive upticks on both the the retro titles and and the new releases for those TMNT games um, and and what kind of other games do you think would make this huge uh, uptick due to just simply a new cartoon or a new new show or, or something else popping up and making it happen? Could there be a uh, a Warhammer show or or a would a release of a, a Legend of Zelda anime or something else on Netflix cause an even greater in, uh, uptick on even their massive player count numbers? And and what else could they try to try to create, or could or could there be some kind of partnership moving forward with with these game designers and some kind of an, some animation studio that needs a new hit and 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 Netflix and they try to create a show that was basically uh, designed to just increase their player count and increase their their concurrent numbers and peak numbers. I think that would be something funny and, and to keep an eye on in the future about what Netflix is releasing and, and if that even is related to some kind of gaming property. So um, got to actually keep our eyes out for that, which is great. Um, with that being said, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we will talk about the biggest reveal last week, which was the trailer and development stream uh, for Octopath Traveler. Welcome back, everybody. So, Square Enix revealed the trailer at TGS 2022 for Octopath Traveler 2, uh, featuring a first impression of the sequel to possibly the best JRPG of the last decade, in my opinion, Octopath Traveler. The hour-long live stream video featured the producer, director, and composer as they discussed being uh, where they were in the development process as the game is set for release first quarter of 2023, specifically in February, if... All things, <clears throat> if all things work out, that's the plan. You can find this video on YouTube with at the Square Enix page on YouTube uh, if you want to watch that and and listen through uh, the translators. Um, you know the previous title is probably one of my, if not my favorite, JRPG of the last ten to twelve years. It is up there, uh, in my opinion, with Final Fantasy seven VII and eight. And it is, and nine, it is, if not better, it's it, my favorite of all time. If I'm, if I'm perfectly honest, from even when I was little, my favorite JRPG of all time is Final Fantasy VIII. I'm biased towards that game. I don't know why. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. I didn't own a PlayStation, but I was able to get that on PC. And that game has been one of my favorite things to play ever since. And then, you know, then comes along 
Octopath Traveler, and that was the first RPG since Skyrim that I couldn't put down. Um, the fact that it was a JRPG and came came with all of the intricate storyline, uh, the amazing gameplay, the smooth and beautiful graphics, the the HD two D system that they they call it that they created. Uh, it, it it was something that that was both foreign and familiar and 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 new and exciting and and i'm so glad that i got to play it especially when i had more free time uh when it came out now the beauty of this game of the sequel is that you don't have to have played part one to enjoy part two and vice versa uh too so you can enjoy the series in whatever order you want uh core elements of the first title will return while adding some new things like duels uh with npcs in the game to convince them to join you in game or to rob them and other features as well as um, duels that allow you to learn new abilities with certain characters. There's there's this, all this amazing new stuff, and the video was illuminating and, and engrossing. I couldn't look away, even as I'm waiting for uh, a tape delay translator who's trying to translate things live uh, to, to let me know what the heck's happening as the entire conference is happening in Japanese. So we're just there sitting, waiting, and, and some of the worst parts would be when when a translator, um, either their mic or maybe their Zoom or whatever it was, dropped out and they had to scramble to find someone else to, to, to come over live and the mic wouldn't be feeding through the video properly. So there are entire sections. When you watch this video, if you go to YouTube to watch it, what's great about it is that there are entire sections where the uh, translator that we can clearly hear over the audio is suddenly drops out and they have to scramble to find someone else to replace her but the audio isn't synced to the YouTube video. And so it, they're, they're now translating, but underneath are at the same level as the people speaking in Japanese. So it all just gets garbled. It's, it's great. It's both, it's unintentionally hilarious, but also perfect for, for kind of like this new media form through YouTube and, and live streaming. So with that being said, uh, the same eight main characters, um, uh, you know, system like uh, each providing a different way of viewing the main storyline and, and new perspectives return, allowing you to choose who your main character is and their story and allowing for massive replayability. So one of the beauties of this game is that each character has their own story. So you're following through the storyline through their perspective and you can choose someone and play as only them for the duration of the game and, and get one view. And then you can obviously just keep switching or alternating and get different perspectives on this main story, but through that character's eyes. So we, the, the something that we are uh, expecting this game coming back, which is great. Uh, they've made sure to enhance the HD 2D graphics to a completely new level. So uh, watching the video with real in-game footage, footage that, that, you know, game play footage that will not really change much between now and release. Um, to say that these graphics are would are not improved over the first title would be an understatement. The, the the first title is gorgeous and the sprites and world blend perfectly, but looking at the new graphics, there's an obvious and clear uptick over the previous game, right? So the in the previous game there there's an obvious separation in um, the sprites versus the world. Like you, it, it it's there's the 3D rendered world and then there's your 8-bit looking sprites, right? But the uh, sprites and the world in that first game, it kind of looks like a paper mache Mario, the paper Mario game where they obviously stand out from the background. This game, not so much. The sprites look more balanced and as the producer pointed out, uh, more in proportion to the world. So uh, they don't look like little figurines in the world. They look like they are actually of and within the world. 
Uh, there's striking colors. Um, there are massive uh, particle effects and things that, that are expanded even further. And there's a depth of vision uh, that was there that wasn't in the previous game where everything, there you can see the levels graphically um, of, to each, you know, from foreground to the furthest background. You can actually see the depth in this and it, the vision and the beauty of it all, the artistry of it all was engrossing. I couldn't look away. I was constantly pausing to try and look for new details. And focusing less on what they were saying and more on what I was seeing. Uh, there are dynamic camera angles which add a new flavor to combat and turn this game into a movie at points. Watching that happen in real time was was enthralling. Um, before when when combat was happening, the in the previous game it didn't have this same level of dynamism. Action is happening, but it's static. This one makes it felt this this portion or this new camera made it feel alive uh, because they have more to work with. They're increasing the animations and movement of characters, which uh, has turned their sprites into smooth and more advanced animated characters. So even with a dynamic camera moving around the world and events and battles, the animations don't lose anything. There's at no point does it suddenly become staticky or stiff. Everything stays smooth, even though you're not dealing with a fully 3D rendered character. And that's huge. Um, there are eight brand new characters with different backgrounds, stories, and jobs. Each character is unique has their own background and story. Um, it had, and they had their own job. And for those of you that are listening to this and are new to the series, the job is essentially the character class. So like any RPG, you have a character class, thief, rogue, warrior, mage, etc. that sort of thing. Right. As with most RPGs, this is of course, um, you know, your standard stuff that allows you to see what skills they can have, uh, what equipment they can carry, what support skills and, and dynamic skills can they have, what stat bonuses will come with them, and kind of where do they start. You know, obviously warriors are going to be stronger attack, and, and, and whereas healers will have stronger magic stuff or, or intelligence. And eventually you could learn a second job at shrines, creating dual ro roles for the characters. Uh, the characters will have their own unique starting point as well that fit to who they are, but are not redundant. So you're not going to have multiple characters in a similar place. They're in a they will start their story from a unique starting point that is specific to them, and so it all makes sense. It's not just trying to force it in. Uh, during the character description in the video, the translators switch. So uh, that was one of those points when they actually start talking about the characters and they switch. I'm not sure if there was an audio issue, but someone else was translating while the devs were talking about their favorite characters. So you don't really hear what they're trying to describe. It's it's just heavy Japanese. So if you speak Japanese, I guess you understand it completely. But for everyone else, you couldn't really hear what the translator was saying. Uh, but from what I can see, you've got your standard Ronin Samurai warrior type. You have the uh, dancer type or dancer job, which is an old school JRPG class that I love. She's the queen of buffs and debuffs. Uh, there looks to be a, a merchant type, a, uh, a scholar, uh, an assassin type, of course, a cleric, um, what looks like a hunter class. Um, so your, your physical damage with uh, bows and arrows and things like that. And their version of a nurse or healer class. So they have a lot of the standard tropes, but they have unique feel they have a unique feel to it so you put your play style may dictate who you take as your main character when you play for the first time and then as you learn the mechanics of this game you might feel more adventurous and play as different characters as different main roles and kind of keep moving right uh the new world is called celestia which uh changes from day to night there will be a day night cycle which while that's not a unique thing to games but you are in control with the push of a button on that so with that switch which means 
you can control whether you're traveling during day or night through towns and environments. And what that means is that while you can stand there and, and just have the natural movement from day to night, have the natural sequence happen, if, if that's not something you want, you can force it through, right? Uh, depending on where you are and the time of day, uh, will dictate what you see on the screen. Some areas will have thriving nightlife and seem more alive during that time, whereas others will not. Now, as they show in the video, the graphics get even more impressive when you see the color palette swaps between day and night and the lighting details, the shadows and the shading details. Uh, new details you can't see until the time change only further highlight the advancement in art direction. This will also directly affect characters with regards to their path actions. In the first game, you had these abilities uh, called path actions that were designated as rogue or noble, meaning if you were a certain level, uh, you could use the noble skills or you could roll the dice with your rogue skills, but if you failed, it hurt your reputation in town. Uh, you would get action prompts to perform these skills like scrutinize a citizen, which meant to interrogate for more information. But because it's an interrogation, they might not like you afterwards if you fail to get that info. However, the noble version of that same skill is called to inquire, which never fails and doesn't carry the negative penalty. But if you are under a required level, you don't get to use that one. So you're, you're kind of just becoming social and you're getting the information through uh, basic uh, communication skills and they just trust you. So they give it to you right now in this game, the day night cycle affects which action prompts will show up for path actions rather than um, rogue and noble being the main function of this. The rogue and noble function is now tied to the day night cycle. So the samurai character named Hikari can duel for info in the morning or bribe at night, for example. These deviations allow for things to do if you don't want to follow the main quest line and are looking for, for these deviations. And depending on the kind of player you are, you might rather duel somebody and fight them for the uh, information uh, than do the simple bribe. Maybe you simply don't have the money to uh, bribe somebody. You are low on funds because you bought something in game. But instead now you can just switch it to daytime and take that same character and duel them for the info, right? So. Uh, the director showed some hands-on time and fast travel returns, which is nice. You can watch the transition from night to day if you don't want to automatically make the transition, and it looked gorgeous. He showed what uh, looked like a ton of locations available to the player, and the MC of the event didn't want him spoiling too much. It was actively saying, hey, don't show too much. You don't want to spoil this for the for the players. And the director pointed out that this is just the beginning of the game. Like they're, I'm barely into it. I'm you know, only a few hours in. And these are just some of the locations. There's a heck of a lot more. He said that there was this is nowhere close to what an end game map will look like for the care uh, for the players, and the that actually caused the MC to stop in his tracks and and stumble on his words because he was in shock. Uh, break and boost will return, of course, but the gameplay that showcases it is night and day. Combat is far and away improved, both in dynamism and scope. The breaking enemies uh, with critical hits to stun them out of turns or boosting your characters from multiple attacks and skill usages uh, were great before, but when watching combat, it became very obvious the graphical limitations of the original um, and the newer versions, uh, the smoothness, the quick animations, 
the speed that is taking place could only be done with this evolution that they've gone through. Uh, before the characters stood out, as I said before, in the background and not in a good way, almost like they were superimposed. Uh, it was one of the few negatives of the looks last in the previous game. Now, with the massive increase to pixels and depth of view, everything looks like it belongs. And that's huge when you've got these massive dynamic battles now. Um, I know every week I say I'm excited for a game, and I am. I, I'm generally excited for a lot of video games. But... Uh, being excited and willing to go purchase this game and, and spend the money to and the time investment into it is com something completely different. I'm excited for a lot of stuff. Doesn't mean I'm going to do anything about it. But seeing this game in action, I know for a fact what I will be playing all spring when it is released on Steam. Uh, you need to go check out that video. If you are a JRPG fan, you need to check that out. Don't take my word for it. Uh, from what I've described here right now, go see for yourself this amazing game that is coming in just a few months. If you are a JRPG fan, you absolutely must have this game in your library. You have to. And if you are not, but simply an RPG fan, you should give it a try. I understand that JRPGs aren't for everyone. Not a lot of people like the whole wait your turn and, and quasi D&D &D rules to this stuff. But, but this game is so much more than the combat. It is, uh, it is again, one of the best storylines and story-driven JRPGs possibly ever. Um, now, JRPGs have been a favorite genre of mine since I first played Final Fantasy on the NES at my grandma's house, and they continue to be some of my favorite experiences in gaming, whether I'm revisiting old favorites or, or playing the incredible new titles like Octopath recently. I love story-based gaming, and, and JRPGs do it better than anyone else. Uh, normally, the only thing I have to look forward to in February is baseball season, and the the game starting for us in, at the high school, but now I have my sights set on the game that will own all of my free time this spring. Uh, so with that, uh, I, I could not be happier and, and re more ready to pre-purchase something. Now, whether I get it on, on the Switch or the PC is, is another thing, but I'm, I'm absolutely leaning PC. Um, so I can't wait for this. Uh, February can't get here fast enough, both for baseball season and this game. Now let's take another short break, and when we come back, uh, I kind of want to talk about the the last two months of making this show, and kind of give a little behind the scenes uh, look at what this has been like for me as a first time podcaster. Not my first time in in audio audio media, but my first time really building this out before, and and kind of see where what I've been, where I've come from, where I'm at, and where I'm going. Okay, welcome back. Where to begin? Uh, <laughs> the last couple months have flown by as I get ready to finish up this uh, seventh overall episode, uh, season one, episode six so far of the show. And um, what this show has turned into versus kind of what I envisioned are night and day. Uh, being a teacher and a baseball coach kind of eats up a good chunk of my time. And then adding this show to my schedule eats up the rest of it during the week while I record. Uh, I do most of my research on the weekends for what the new show will be about and then try to record Monday through Wednesday in segments so that on Thursday if I have to do any re-recording or adjust levels and any kind of any kind of extra work and all that production nonsense I have the, uh, basically a day to do it at least that's what I'm going to do when we aren't playing baseball you see uh, again my life is very complicated for those of you that are listening to this and have no clue um, Texas athletics is a little bit different than most places. And 
you know, the, uh, when you're a teacher and a coach, you go from a 50 hour a week job to something that's in the 60 to 70 hour weeks in the off season and 80 to 90 hour weeks. Like I'm a doctor, uh, um, or, or, or anybody that works like those weeks on weeks off worths of a uh, worth of hours. Um, except without the weeks off, that's the, that's the thing, right? So it's, it's all these hours without the time off. Well, um, I'm not gonna be able to do these, that recording schedule anymore. Like I'm, I'm recording this all in on Thursday night to get it to work and cleaning it up, uh, because I simply wasn't able to record the, the, the week. Right. So, um, Monday and Tuesday we had games and then I was exhausted Wednesday, just trying, and we had a booster club meeting and, and I was just exhausted. I had no ability to, to keep it moving. And so, uh, I'm trying to scramble to record all this on a Thursday and I, and I believe I'm in transparency. So I'm letting you, you know, look behind the curtain and that kind of goes into why this is a little different than what I had originally envisioned. Um, now we play fall baseball in Texas, which means Monday and Wednesday are, are or sometimes Tuesday, we're going to have games that I have to go watch since I'm, I'm a coach. I can't coach it. Uh, we have someone volunteer to coach, but I've got to be there. I do the video, um, video recording so that we have game film and, and we can make highlights and, and set up our kids for, for the future. And so they have highlight videos for, for college. So now large chunks of chunks of every show need to be recorded Tuesday and Thursday, or in this case, all of it on Thursday, uh, for the Friday release, because I do need to research or catch up, uh, on gaming news on the weekends to make it work. It's what makes doing a show on anything or, trying to be an expert so difficult as i said before time i have none uh and that's kind of the thing when i first envisioned or thought of doing this right uh my first thought about making the show my original plan was it was different kind a, a different kind of esports show something that was short sweet to the point uh, a lot of the esports shows are hour and a half two hour slogs and I wanted to make something different, something that was more streamlined, uh, something that highlighted gaming news but focused on esports. But I don't watch enough and, and don't have the time to watch. Uh, I really don't have the time to research and learn all this stuff. Uh, and it's why episode zero is so janky and basically sounds like I'm reading because I am. I gathered my info and was basically reading a script. It was my Ron Burgundy moment. So, But um, with that being said, uh, I immediately tried to make a change the following week and have continued to adjust it as I move forward, right? I can't focus on any one thing because it requires me to spend so much time just mastering said subject. I wouldn't have time to actually talk about it, uh, which is why it's gotten more conversational. I hope, I hope that every show since then has gotten much more conversational and focused on interests or things that catch my attention rather than any one thing every week. Um, by making it more generalized, I'm able to um, not overwhelm myself in the research department. I find what I thought was interesting, grab a few things to, to help give me a pretty well-rounded view on the subject, and then mash that info with my own personal feelings on it and, and try to make it work from there. Every show, I hope, has gotten more conversational, which was always the goal. Um, that's, that's the one thing that that from, from the jump, I did want to eventually get to this. I didn't want this to be a news show. I wanted this to be a conversation, a conversation that I would hope I would share with others soon. Um, I'm, you know, I want to talk about things that matter to me and because I, they matter to me and because I care, uh, that makes it, makes the conversation t style, uh, audio even easier. And while I know I'm, I'm nobody special, I have to believe there are others like me that want this perspective like their own. So that meant, 
while I may talk about the major events that happen in esports, it couldn't be the focus anymore. Uh, the show would have to be more general. You know, I want to talk about the PlayStation upfronts, I think, and the Microsoft upfronts from TGS, but I, I haven't had the time to put that all together. I mean, it's they're coming. They're, they're just not going to be right after the event. Instead, they're going to be uh, a little bit later when I have the time to break it all down and, and find the things that I like. There's going to be there's a ton of stuff that PlayStation and Microsoft are, are releasing, but what's the point of of doing all of that? The the stuff that I care about is the stuff that I will actually have passion and the and the energy and the effort to talk about. So I need to figure out what that is. And so that meant focusing on on news stories I found interesting and fun, doing monthly upcoming video game previews. Instead of trying to do that every week, which became difficult because I found that after like the third episode, I was diving into the like the indie game hell and purgatory to try and find new games to talk about that were coming out because I was trying to do it every week. It doesn't work that way. Uh, I need to try and keep it you know month to month. Um, talking about hands-on experience was was more important to me now, um, and and something I want to keep doing. Uh, it'll help motivate me to like I'd said in previous episodes where I'm timid and afraid to try new things I, I'm, I need to just go for it that way I can talk about it on the show um, you know also what it's like being someone who plays video games as their, their main source of entertainment for the last 30 years um, and and the experiences I'm having and, and how they reflect differently from when I was younger to when to now um, and that brings us to now so you know the, the original goal was was different esports it morphed into a more conversational uh, show and that brings us to this point now which is i i still want interviews but unfortunately more people will need to listen to the show to get them uh having voices other than my own has always been a major goal and always been something i want to bring to this show but because i don't have the biggest listenership it's really hard convincing anyone regardless of the level of fame they may have to from coming on the show it, it's to them there's no reason to uh, potentially be vulnerable or open them themselves up to a stranger um, if there isn't going to be a large audience attached to it so I get that that is still a major goal that's that's one of the original ideas I had that I still want to stick to but I, I need to improve my media thing which brings up to my last thing that I'm I'm mostly terrible at and that's social media and the the, the most difficult part about this is is doing it alone right I don't have a budget i don't want to take out a loan to help provide a budget and get a producer and or, or a social media manager or try to gin up engagement that way i'm trying to do this by word of mouth and 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 doing my best with social media but trying to get other places to to market it or, or to advertise for it and and get it out there and it's it's been a slog like not having having to basically do it all is a lot and it's exhausting and that's kind of the other part of this, I'm never going to miss a show. I'm never going to skip this. I'm My goal was always to do 52 episodes, do one every week for a full year, one season, and see if I get any traction naturally. Um, I'm not someone that likes to quit. I'm someone that wants to persevere, and that's something that that I hope uh, is showcased in this show that y'all are noticing that I'm, I'm, I care about everything that I've talked about so far and, and will talk about in the future. And, and I hope that passion is, is coming out, 
uh, in every episode as, as I get more and more comfortable with this stuff. I've never been comfortable just talking uh, into nobody, basically. I, I don't like it. It's ironic given that it's that I'm a teacher and you do a whole lot of talking all the time. And I'm very comfortable talking in front of others. It's there, it's weird. I can stand in front of 10,000 people in a, in a, a giant arena and, and, and be comfortable, be fine. Uh, but something about talking to no one and just hearing the sound of my own voice in my own head is is awkward and weird. But I'm I hope I'm getting better at that. And so, you know, the show is going to kind of stick down this path, right? I, I really do want to maintain this conversational nature. I want to talk about things that matter to me in this world and in this in this spectrum. Um, eventually, I hope to God I can I can start getting interviews. I can start getting people to come on the show. Um, to talk about their experiences because I, I find that stuff to be incredibly interesting. We live in a very weird content creation world and being able to talk to people about their experiences I think is unique. I don't want to have the standard um, interviews that they have in the traditional stuff. I want to talk about them as a person as opposed to them as the creator and and I want the world to kind of get to know them. So uh, in the future, I, I, I truly hope I'm, I'm able to get that, hopefully, as I, I reach the halfway point of this. And I I just wish I was more comfortable or better at social media. I'm I'm in that weird generation. I'm an older millennial, and the when I was in the early parts of college, that's when Facebook was coming out, and MySpace was out, and, you know, that was my initial reaction into social media. I've never been a a big social butterfly. I've never been someone that is comfortable um, on Twitter or on Instagram, just like showcasing. Like I've always seen it as stupid and weird and annoying uh, people that are constantly taking selfies and constantly videotaping everything they do as opposed to just experiencing it themselves. So I never truly committed to social media in any way. And unfortunately that is the only way now to really besides paying someone else and i don't have the money to afford groceries how can i afford to pay someone else to advertise the show um but that's really the only way to reach an audience or reach new people and it's through social media and i'm i've just i've struggled with doing things that peak or spark engagement and then bring new listeners to the show the, the and so I'm just trying to figure that out. I don't know what to do. If you have suggestions, if you're one of the handful of people that listens to the show and you have ideas or you have suggestions, please do not hesitate to send them over. I'll be happy to uh, to to listen and try anything at this point because I, I really would like to try and get this out there. I don't care about this ever becoming something that makes money, but, but I, I think that there are someone or there are some people that, that might think or have the same experiences I'm having as an older millennial video game player, as a parent who this is their for, their one source of, of, of entertainment is video games. They might have that um, connection and it lets them know that someone else in the world is, is dealing with the same things that they are. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the big thing for increasing the audience. So um, the show itself, it's not hard it, to, to record. It's not hard to come up with, um, the, the rundown and the things that I'm, I'm going over, but it is more time consuming than I ever thought it would be. I, I didn't think it would be this level of time where I've got to actually segment and 
time out things. I've got to actually schedule and build out so that I know the, the rundowns themselves can, can take hours and hours to write and make sure that I stay on track because that's the other thing. I have a tendency to ramble. I do it when I teach, and I don't want to do it here. So um, that's kind of where I am right now with this. Uh, like I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna, if, I'll make 52 of these things, and, and even if like three people are the only people that ever listen, I'll make 52 of the best episodes I can for those three people. So um, that's kind of where I am mentally with this. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And it's, it's difficult, but it's a good kind of hard and it's a good kind of difficult. So I'm excited to keep going. And I just wanted you to know that like what I originally envisioned is that you can hear it in episode zero. That's not what we're going to do the rest of the way. And some people would delete episode zero from their, their feed, but that's not me. I, I want you to hear everything and every stumble along the way. And that way it also lets me know what I used to do. And where thing where I've come from, like you can't just like with with athletics, you have to watch film to get better, and you have to listen to those things to get better every week, and so that's the plan. And I'm not ashamed of of that first episode in any way, shape, or form. So I'm I'm proud of it regardless because it took time, it took effort, even if it's not the best thing or the or exactly how I wanted it, and that's that's what matters. Okay, so uh, thank you for joining us this week. I continue to enjoy creating this content for you. Uh, my few but hopefully happy few fans that are downloading every week i hope i'm providing a different level of insight with the information and providing something different than what is out there currently uh, most of all i just hope you all enjoy and i hope you're having a good time every week when you listen so uh, that brings this episode to a close again please like and subscribe and comment social media and and on the page and on wherever you find this podcast or don't I'm not your parents. I'm just a dad in his PC. 